sharing work is always a vulnerable process. And I feel lucky to have cultivated a few trusted readers over the years. So, you know, they make that process as, as good as possible. But it's always, it can, it can definitely give me, as you say, the heebie-jeebies for sure. This is Finding the Throughline, the show that gives you inside access to honest conversations about the creative process. I'm Kate Hanley. Hey, and welcome to Finding the Throughline. Today, I am talking with Jody Noel Vinson about what I call inner stuff, the thoughts, ideas, and attitudes that affect your work, even if you're not fully conscious of it. This is part two in a three-part series of interviews with Jody. So if you missed part one, go back to the most recent episode and start there where she shares a lot of information and really cool insights about the practical parts of her writing process. But today, Jody, we're going to talk about the squishier parts of your writing process. Are you ready? <laughs> For sure. Okay. Well, I'm curious. I'd love to ask people this question. Does creating work and then sharing that work with other people come easily to you? No, <laughs> it doesn't. I find both the creative part and the sharing part are difficult and do take time. And I'm still doing them. So they're also totally worth that effort. And probably the creative side does come more easily or is le- is more comfortable, I would say. The sharing work, it depends on the format. I, I am not a great performer. So sharing something on stage is difficult for me. I also tend to write really long essays. So they're not always in the best like storytelling format for that. I find that's a challenge that I still need to work on as far as sharing work verbally or on stage. Having something published is a really usually a a rewarding experience. I am a very private person. So it's kind of strange to say that. And, you know, it's very exciting to have a publication, but there is always a, oh, okay, here we go (laughs) moment as well. But I try to kind of move beyond that and celebrate, celebrate those publications too. Yeah. Is there any part of creating and sharing the work that really just gives you the heebie-jeebies? And if so, how do you deal with it? Yeah, I think revision is really difficult, like getting feedback on work. So sharing the work when it's in process is never easy. And I'm still learning how to kind of share work, get the feedback from a reader, a trusted reader, and then, you know, take a moment with that. I want it to be done and hopefully I've gotten it as far as I can when I hand it off to a reader and then being open to their feedback and not like immediately defensive or at least having an awareness of when the defenses are going up. And typically, if I sit with it long enough and let that defense kind of melt away and even sleep on it a night, I'll be able to come back to the work and my subconscious will have kind of taken in the feedback and I'll usually see a way forward, but it's scary at first, you know, to encounter that, especially if you've really invested a lot in what you've shared with someone. Sharing work is always a vulnerable process. And I feel lucky to have cultivated a few trusted readers over the years. So, you know, they make that process as, as good as possible. But it's always, it can, it can definitely give me, as you say, the heebie-jeebies for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one thing to share with other people, and I get that that is vulnerable. Sometimes even 
with yourself. You know, when you're writing, your inner critic can kick in and try and have its way with you. And I've been asking people this and I find their their variety and similarity of answers so fascinating. But what kinds of things does your inner critic love to tell you? Like kind of its go-to scripts. Yeah, I do have imposter syndrome. And I kind of think that most writers do. And maybe that even defines us as a writer. So yeah, in my line of work at the nonprofit, I will often say, oh, are you a writer as I'm meeting someone and no one wants to claim it? They're always like, well, a hedging or whatever. And I'm like, no, you you have to claim it. (laughs) You are, you write. So there's always kind of that identity issue, you know, like, am I a writer that can come up in, especially in kind of seasons that are less, yeah, less generative or when things aren't happening or feel either I'm stuck in in the process or I'm not getting affirmation from the outside, even if it's just like a reader. And that's when those doubts or questions will come in. I think they can also often take the shape of, I think it's these days, maybe it's less about the work I'm doing and more around getting that public affirmation or affirmation from the outside world, since it can be so like few and far between. And that's when like kind of the doubts can come in. And that's when I need to kind of like go back to what is valuable about the process itself and go back to sharing work with trusted readers and getting feedback and, you know, just cultivating that conversation around the process rather than looking at, I don't know, productive goals of, oh, I haven't published something or those kind of questions. Because that can really throw you off. That's usually when my doubts come in. Yeah. You mind sharing with us how old you are? I am 40 this year in February. I turned 40. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank um, you, I guess. <laughs> I mean, hey. I worked really hard at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious, how do you feel your age impacts the way either the kinds of work that you do or does it add pressure to what you feel you should be doing or just what's the relationship there? It's an interesting question. I guess in terms of what we were just talking about, there is a sense of like maybe less time or something, or I should have accomplished this by this time. Like those questions can come in. I think I felt those actually a little bit more strongly when I turned 30. For some reason, that was my big existential crisis. I think maybe because I was dealing with illness over the last couple of years before turning 40, I kind of felt like I had been processing some of the things that come with that kind of age marker or in terms of maybe the existential questions, mortality, those things that can come up with illness or change or, or a milestone birthday, you have it. I think because I was writing through those changes and trying to look at the process through my writing, actually getting older was kind of informed by it and a part of it. And then I, but I do also think on a positive aspect of getting older, I have a little more perspective. I have definitely created a space for this practice in my life. At this point in my life, I'm like, yes, this has value to me. There's like no doubt about it. And so I'm going to structure my life around it in whatever way is possible. And that I've also like over the years accumulated a community of readers, you know, so I feel like there's a richness there that comes with age two that I didn't have and a little bit more of confidence and solidity in my identity as a writer. 
Yeah. Are there ways that you feel thinking about your peer group? So not necessarily exactly 40 year olds, but just kind of like the people maybe you came up with or whatever that means to you. Are there ways that you feel like you're you think differently than they do or you're out of step with them in any way? Yeah, I feel like I'm a little bit of out of step or always have been in terms of, I don't know, I guess these days I am pretty in touch with technology. Like it's just become a part of my life. I was really resistant in my twenties. I would like write longhand letters and I wouldn't send texts and things that, that I've come around to, but I was a little bit of a romantic in that way. I think sometimes, yeah, there's some, I, there's some like things I read that I don't have a huge amount of peer groups reading. I am a huge reader of Proust and I'm constantly going back to him. And I know that sounds like, I don't know, it can sound snobbish or something, but it's not. He's just like the author of my touch point. And so reading Proust or reading like these long novels, I think it's less a part of our, our culture these days. It's definitely something I almost like struggle with more now in terms of the way my attention goes with social media and the news and the headlines. But that kind of deep focus and reading for long periods of time is something that I hope is always part of my life. And yeah, it's it's not something that is a practice that's easy to maintain, I think, in our in our lifestyle today. Right. Well, speaking of our culture and our lifestyle today, are there collective illusions that you really wish we would wake up from? Like, here's your chance to get on your soapbox if you want. <laughs> well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, yeah, I think this actually is coming out of my experience of the pandemic of being ill for a long time during that and just becoming aware of how our culture, especially American culture, yeah, is very uncomfortable with illness and doesn't want to look at it. I think it's just a very human thing, but then also, of course, it came, became a political thing during the pandemic. And it's also just deeply rooted in our society that we privilege kind of the strong and kind of the pick, your up, pick yourself up by your bootstrap kind of culture. And we overlook those who are maybe more vulnerable among us and when a crisis happens, we both maybe become more aware of the vulnerable among us, or we or we turn away from them. But you know, as things change, and as we are trying to move along away from the pandemic, I worry that we're going to lose that sense and that awareness of the people who, who we need to like protect and be aware of the vulnerable, the disabled. So I think there's just a lot of narratives around health and in our culture that we need to like re-examine. And I hope that we can continue to do that even when it's not like part of our everyday news cycle. It's something I've been thinking a lot about over the last couple of years. Yeah. I'm curious, are there ways that you've had to kind of rewrite those assumptions in your own mind or change things about your own life? Yeah, definitely. I'm speaking to myself too, because I was always quite healthy. And I was, you know, raised in a very kind of like, go getter, productive kind of Midwest childhood. 
So when I fell ill, and a lot of that illness was kind of an overwhelming fatigue that got worse if you didn't rest, I really had to kind of reset my values and place value on... Luckily, because I think I was a writer, and I was spending a lot of like sedentary time writing and reading, some of that came easier for me. But I really have a hard time resting, you know, and putting aside my to do list and realizing that my identity and my value does not rest and checking those boxes. Those were things I really had to learn (laughs) kind of for the first time, as well as, yeah, being aware of this kind of chronic illness experience that can be invisible, that other people are often in pain and we don't even know it. So having an awareness of that is something I want to continue to carry forward. Illness is something that we often, you know, we move on from, we have to, it's part of our survival instinct. And we often forget what it's like to be in that isolating kind of experience of illness. And so I hope that I can carry on those kind of insights gained through a difficult experience. So yeah, when I criticize our society or, or say we need to like unlearn this, I'm I'm also talking to myself because I imbibe those things too. And it really takes kind of a constant awareness to to hold on to that new perspective. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Okay, that is the end of our <laughs> probing inner work questions. <laughs> Thank you for being with us here today and join us for the final installment of Jody's interview on Friday's episode, where we're going to cover what's coming up for her, the things that she knows about, and maybe the things that are just kind of she's starting to get glimmers about and how she's going about discerning what comes up next. And I'm going to ask her my fast five questions so that we'll get a little bit of window into her quirks. And I hope that you will come back. Finding the Throughline airs one interview per week, broken up into three episodes that come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for free. Skip the ads and get each interview in one longer episode by becoming a paid subscriber at katehanley.substack.com. Even if you aren't ready to get out your wallet just yet, become a free subscriber at katehanley.substack.com and receive the full show notes with links to everything my guests and I cover. However you listen, thank you. Finding the Throughline is edited by Sound Advice Strategies. Connect with me on Instagram at katehanleyauthor. Here's a little preview of what's to come in part three of this interview. You know, I really would like to be a writer who has a book. Like I would like, I think there's just something solid in that that would be very satisfying, something that, you know, that could pull together and hold ideas in this shape. And so that's something I have had as a goal and am working towards. I often, as you say, I write in the essay form. So maybe it'll be a collection of essays. Maybe I can pull that off. But I think that would like floor me. It would be so amazing. I'm Kate Hanley, and this is Finding the Throughline. More to come on Friday.